With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome everyone to the liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by Matt Addison. So welcome everyone listening on Twitter live and welcome to everyone listening as well afterwards on audio platforms. And in today's episode, we're going to do a deep dive on Curtis Jones. It's going to kickstart a series of podcasts where we look at some of Liverpool's midfield players in a bit more depth, with that obviously being the area that is the main focus of the team's rebuild. And Jones is obviously someone who is really having a good time of it right now. He's on his longest run of starts at Liverpool. And he's become actually the youngest English midfielder to start six straight uh, Premier League games for Liverpool for over a decade, Jordan Henderson being the last one in May 2012. So, Matt, um, I guess the place to start is how impressed have you been by this run of form from Jones? And does it have the feel for you of a turning point in his Liverpool career? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've always always been a big fan of him. Uh, I think... I think you're always going to see the best of him when he's allowed to, to do a bit more of the stuff that comes naturally to him. Uh, I've spoken a lot over the last sort of couple of, of years, really, as he's broken through at, at Liverpool. Of you know, he needs to be in the final third. He needs to be creative. He needs to be given a bit of the the license to do the the bits which, as I say, come more naturally to him and are, are more suited to his game. I know what what Liverpool have, have tried to do is make him a bit more. Uh, responsible, I suppose, is, is the right word in terms of, of that mid- midfield position. Obviously, he can't do that side of the game. He's he's very hardworking, very intelligent in terms of his pressing, and you know the, the numbers would stack up in terms of of what he contributes in that sense. But the the best bits of Curtis Jones really are, are the scoring and the creating that we saw when he was playing for for Liverpool's under twenty threes and and impressing there, being able to to translate that to. You know, the, the the first team in the senior level on a consistent basis is what he's got to try and do. And I think, you know, the, the new position, the way that he's been playing recently, it's no surprise really to me that you give him a little bit more freedom and, you know, you, you start to see start to see better things from him, really. Yeah, and we'll talk a bit more about his sort of role within this new system in detail in a second. Um, to look at kind of the the path his Liverpool career has taken so far. 1920, he started six games in all competitions. Um, 2021, it was up to 22. Still dropped to 18 um, last season. And only eight so far this year, but obviously, like I mentioned at the outset, six in a row now. Um, part of the thing that's obviously 
limited his game time has been injuries too. And there have been some bizarre ones. There was an incident in training with his eye, which kept him out for 14 matches. And then he had a pretty unique one as well with the stress response of the bone this year, which ruled him out for seven. So now that those problems are behind him, now that he is on this run of starts, does it feel like almost the step we've been waiting for from Jones? Because I, I think back to that that goal in the Merseyside derby in the FA Cup in um, in 2020. And really, that, that felt like it should have been the launch pad for his sort of senior Liverpool career. But how many sort of really good games has he had since then? It feels like only now we're starting to see him deliver kind of high-level performances on a consistent basis. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think it, it's for two reasons, really. I think one of them is injuries. Like you've said, he's been unfortunate. The eye injury in particular is one that I think Jurgen Klopp said himself. You know, he's he's never known any any player at, at any level have that sort of thing. And, and it kept him out for, you know, it, it maybe wasn't that long. It, it was a couple of months, I think, wasn't it? But it was a period, I think it was around December when Liverpool played about nine or ten matches. And, you know, the, 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 the number of games suddenly stacked up and he, he'd missed, you know, a huge amount of, of minutes that he would have been there to be able to, to take on last season. So he's been unlucky there. But I think that the biggest thing really, obviously, you've got to be fit to have the consistency. But he's just a player that I think is, he might take a little bit of time to, to get into some rhythm. But he's very much, you know, a confidence player. If, if he has a good game, you can kind of see that within you know, the, the play within that match, within the, the next few games. He's one of those that, really does have a, a spring in a step visibly when he does something well and, and has a, a, a good couple of games. And, you know, the, the reverse is, is true as well. Maybe sometimes the, the confidence takes a bit of a knock if, you know, you've got one or two injuries or you know that you may be not going to be in the team the, the following week or whatever. You know, you can kind of overthink things and it's a, a different role, that, like we've mentioned, that he's got to get used to. So I just think that the, the kind of knowledge, really, that, He's going to get a run of games. He's, I would be surprised. Obviously, we're recording this before the Fulham game. I'd be surprised if he was taken out of the starting lineup for that one. I can't think off the top of my head how many games it is that he's put together now on this little bit of a run. But you know, he's he's starting games. He's consistent, and it, it does sometimes take a bit of time. I think the, the concern really with him was that you just couldn't really see where he was going to string together five, six, seven starts in a row. You know, only you know a few weeks ago it, it would have been. You know, basically unthinkable that that could happen because of the other options that Liverpool have got. And obviously, we know they're going to go out and, and spend money in the summer in midfield, and that will make things even more difficult for him again. But you know, he's he's one of those players that if you give him the opportunity to to go in and, and get that rhythm, he can can put that together. Uh, I think the the surprise really for me is that he's been able to to do that at this point because you know it's it's only a month or so ago ago that he just couldn't couldn't even get on the bench at certain points. He was in the kind of Fabio Cavallio category of not really um, being able to to see an opportunity coming. The you know the, there were conversations and, and we've written pieces and you know I was thinking it only you know five six weeks ago. You know what happens to him in the summer because if they're going to go out and buy more players and and he can't even get on the bench at the moment, then what happens next? But you know, it just goes to show really how quickly things can change. I'm sure someone like Fabio Cavallio will probably look at it and think, you know, hopefully that can be him at some point. But yeah, it, it was really hard to, to see not that long ago where he got minutes. Now I think it's really hard to see Liverpool starting without him because he absolutely deserves it. He's undoubtedly the most informed midfield at the remote, at the moment. And I think along with Harvey Elliott, he's one of those that you just look at and think the more advanced number eight position for Liverpool in this system is just absolutely perfect for him. It, it it works really nicely. He's in a good vein of form and yeah, why would you take him out of the team at the moment? 
And I mean, just to touch on that, that confidence point again, I think it, what's really interesting about Jones is he's a very nat- naturally confident person, I think. And we saw that. I mean, he, at the start of this season, he, he was almost coming out and saying publicly, um, I think I'm going to get 10 goals and 10 assists, or, or that's certainly my target for this season. We don't really hear that from the pool players. So I think he is someone with a lot of belief in his own ability. Certainly off the pitch, but but on it, I think you're right. He is someone who sort of shrinks or, or grows depending on how a game is going for him. Um, and I, I suppose part of that is down to kind of his status as a, a local player and, you know, being at Anfield um, at times during his kind of early years, you have sensed a little bit more pressure and, you know, there's a few more groans when he gets things wrong. Um, so he does feel that burden of expectation, I suppose, as well. And And you talked about, you know, not being able to see him a few weeks back, you know, turning things around. He has obviously done that quite suddenly. I mean, I remember being a little bit sort of surprised to see him drafted in as he was uh, for that game against Chelsea. But a couple of things obviously opened the door. I mean, um, Thiago's kind of uh, fitness problems were still waiting to sort of have confirmation really of, of what fully has gone on there and how long he's going to be out for. But I'd agree with you that he'll certainly be in for the remainder of this season. But I suppose much as we saw... Stefan Bicesic coming earlier in the campaign because of midfield struggles around him. It's almost Klopp moving towards a more meritocratic approach and being like, well, the players I've trusted all season have almost let me down, so let's kind of give Jones another shot. And he's certainly taken the opportunity. But but one thing you mentioned there, Matt, towards the end of your points was about this new system and how you think it, it suits Jones to a T. We should probably get into that a little bit more because um, obviously it's not a... Uh, it's not really a coincidence, I suppose, that like he is thriving within kind of a, a new look, Liverpool, you'd have to say. I mean, last week when we, we were on the podcast, we spoke about players like uh, Robertson, Henderson, Salah, how they're affected by the system. But Jones stands out as one of the big winners of it as well, doesn't he? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, exactly that. As I mentioned before, I think he's he's much better when he can be closer to goal and, and be creative and kind of do things that come instinctively to him. So I think it, it just suits him a lot better. It suits the, the kind of players that Liverpool have got and the kind of players that Liverpool are, are looking at. Mason Mount in particular for the summer, I think, is one that you can see in that kind of position. You know, Curtis Jones is, is a similar sort of attack-minded but also very hard-working and, you know, is is that kind of pressing monster, if you like. It, it's what Jurgen Klopp wants from those sorts of players and I think it's just you know refreshing to see that you know he's been able to to have a bit of an experiment you know the the pressure is is on Liverpool to to go on and and win the the rest of of the games this season because you just don't know what can happen in the top four race and obviously if they don't get in the top four you want to finish as as strongly as you can this season but like you say there is a bit of an opportunity to experiment and they've tried a few different things and Curtis Jones is is one of them and it, it certainly does work and yeah, I think it it suddenly becomes a lot clearer now, not just for him, but for one or two others. Harvey Elliott is one that you know I've written about this week of of it kind of suiting him as well. And I think you know he he did okay against uh, Spurs at the weekend. I thought he was all right in that position. Obviously, we weren't quite sure how Jones and Elliott in that system together were going to work and and how that was going to look. But 
I think he's another one as well that you know we we can't judge him straight away. You've got to give him you know five or six starts on the bounce. Wouldn't massively surprise me if they went with with that midfield again. I know there's there's Jordan Henderson potentially to come back into it as well, but he's one of those that is is less of a, a winner, um, probably more towards the, the loser side in in terms of that position. It, it's not natural for him, but yeah, the the future is Jones and, and Elliot, and, and they certainly are. So yeah, it's it's certainly something I'd want to see. Worked on in the summer. I think it'd be interesting as soon as we get into to pre-season, kind of the way that Liverpool set up. But yeah, for Curtis Jones, I think it, it all becomes clear. Maybe, maybe he's known all along that this was the plan, and, and Jurgen Klopp has asked him to be patient. And you know, now he's 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 kind of getting the the reward for that. But yeah, I think there was there was certainly a lot of doubt from the outside, at least, as to where he fits in. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's been pretty much answered recently. I mean, to, to be honest, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how Liverpool fund all the transfer business they want to do this year. And I was, for a while, looking at Jones as a potentially very sellable asset within that. Someone who, you know, young, homegrown player, um, could you get someone to pay kind of fairly big money for him and then obviously reinvest that. But now, and we'll move on to that a little bit later um, in the podcast, He's maybe kind of changing narrative a little bit as to, to be part of that rebuild himself. Um, and I think it's a really interesting point you make about how the re- the rebuild is already almost taken shape in terms of the actual system and and the style of play. It is almost being geared towards those younger players. And again, we'll touch on this shortly. We don't know how big a role they'll actually play within kind of a first choice Liverpool team going forward, but. It certainly is going to set the parameters uh, for the summer transfer window if this is to be the way Liverpool are going to play in the majority of their matches. But I want to like try and nail down Jones's almost strengths uh, and maybe weaknesses a little bit more because of all Liverpool's players, I don't think there's one in the squad that I've almost struggled to kind of um, categorize as much as Jones during his Liverpool career. Um, and he's been compared to a few different sort of uh, brands of players. Klopp said recently that um, he's good on the ball, safe on the ball, um, and defends extremely good, um, to, to use his exact quote there. Um, and that obviously is kind of reminiscent of Genie Wijnaldum. I mean, they're probably the two attributes you'd associate most with him. He didn't take maybe too many risks in possession, um, but um, also contributed a lot off the ball. And we've seen a lot of those comparisons recently. Um, I think Jones was especially good um, off the ball against the Spurs at the weekend. Is that something you look at and, and think, you know, there's someone in those comparisons or is he a different kind of midfield player for you? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think there is to, to some extent. Um, I, I don't think it's a perfect comparison. I don't, I don't think there's anyone really that, that kind of immediately springs out to me as being um, a comparison to Jones. I think he's he's a slightly different case. I think he's he's really useful in terms of, of the build-up from deeper. Like you say, he can just sort of put his foot on the ball a little bit. He's, he's confident enough to take a couple of touches. And I think that's been a, a bit of a frustration for a, a lot of people. He's, he's tended to, to take maybe one or two more than, than necessary. But again, that was something that Wijnaldum knew 
instinctively how to just take the sting out of a game, how to, to keep hold of the ball for a bit, maybe draw a foul or just play a couple of little passes just to, to keep the ball at certain times. And that can help you sustain pressure and, and sustain attacks against teams. And that's certainly something that Liverpool have been missing. And it's come back in, in recent matches. Obviously, there wasn't enough control when Liverpool were three goals up against Tottenham at the weekend. And they should have done a lot better in, in those moments. But generally speaking, I think over the last few games, we've seen a bit more control. And I think Curtis Jones is, is really important for that. But I think what he he kind of does the that bit of it, and maybe not quite as well as Gini Wijnaldum yet, but there are sort of signs that that could be, you know, a possibility for him. I don't think he's quite as kind of physical. He's not as uh, able to, to cover as much ground, maybe. He's, he's certainly not as strong as, as what Wijnaldum was to, to knock off the ball, but, you know, he's he's got other other attributes that, that make him different to Wijnaldum. I think in terms of, of the final third, I know... We, we kind of see a lot of, of the safer passes, but there's also a lot of progression, I think, in terms of, of trying to move the ball into the forwards. I think that let me sort of increase when you think of, obviously, Cody Gakpo is, is brilliant at being able to um, to kind of link things together in the attack. You'd add um, Luis Diaz into that as well. He's one that you can kind of give the ball a bit like, I suppose, the relationship between, say, Gini Wijnaldum and, and Sadio Mane on the left. It was two players who you could kind of give the ball to and they'd relieve the pressure just by keeping hold of it for, for a few seconds. I think you can kind of see that maybe developing in the future, hypothetically, I suppose, with, with Jones and, and Diaz, say, on, on that side, or Cody Gakpo as well, if he was to, to drop into those sorts of positions. So it, it's that kind of thing, really, which I think, you know, there's... Look, it's, it's, it's a small sample size and, and you don't want to kind of go, oh, yeah, he, he could be, you know, Wijnaldum plus a little bit more. But I think that's always been, you know, the, the kind of, the, almost the kind of plan with Curtis Jones is that what they've spent the last couple of years doing is making him defensively brilliant. Like the, the, the clock quote that you read out a second ago around him, you know, being defensively astute. Now, I don't think that's something that we necessarily saw from him earlier the question really was could you combine that with keeping those natural instincts that he's got to be able to to you know go forward and, and create and, and and kind of be a, a number 10 at the same time as as being more defensive and i think that's what we're kind of seeing now is that he's linking those two things together off the ball he's he's kind of a genie Wijnaldum but i think you know obviously Wijnaldum at, at Newcastle and at various other points of his career maybe even you know at international level even when he was at Liverpool was a lot more creative in the final third I think that's where Curtis Jones potentially has got that higher bit of a, a ceiling I suppose if you like is that he can do a little bit of, of both the, the defensive and the attacking thing obviously with the caveat that it's very early days there's still a long way to go and there's still a lot to to improve but I do think that the kind of the ingredients are there. It's just a case of can he continue being as consistent as what he is and can he continue to, to pull all of those things together in the right direction? It's interesting when you look at kind of the numbers and an FBRF obviously have this tool where you can look at players who are kind of similar in terms of the statistical profile and a couple of names on there, Barella, Bernardo Silva certainly more kind of the attack-minded number eight than you'd say kind of Wijnaldum was uh, during his time at Liverpool. So so that's an interesting one. Um, and that is something that might change in terms of a lot of those minutes that are kind of being factored into that judgment are coming from when Jones was maybe in a little bit more of an advanced role. But there's just one kind of name I wanted to, to throw at you, Matt, um, and we won't dwell on this. But I just sort of thought it was really interesting. 
um, James Nolton on Twitter shared the um, touch maps of uh, of Jones against Tottenham, and it actually looked very very similar to uh, Jack Grealish um, in for Man City against Fulham um, earlier on Sunday, obviously. And what we're seeing is Jones basically drifting out to the left wing. I mean, we talked in the last podcast about how Robertson is basically having to stay back a little bit more um, to kind of up form that back three when Liverpool have the ball. But the, the void on the left-hand side and the width is being provided by Jones a little bit. So it's interesting as well. I mean, we, we can look at kind of the, the defensive contribution. That's obviously going to be crucial too. But he is, you know taking on quite a lot of attack and responsibility in that sense as well and almost emulating Grealish a little bit in kind of the positions he's taken up. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, the Grealish thing I hadn't thought about, to be honest. It's not not something that I considered or obviously they play slightly different positions. But yeah, when when you've said it, it, it kind of does make sense a little bit, I think. You know, the, the Grealish thing is is really interesting at Manchester City with with what Pep Guardiola is trying to do with him. It's it's a bit of a strange one because I always think with Grealish he's he's very very good in in kind of keeping hold of the ball and you know creating things and drawing players in and, and creating that space. But he doesn't necessarily get the the level of goals and assists that you'd want to to see from someone in that position. But I think that's that's why, isn't it? It's it's that kind of thing. You know, obviously left-sided number eight for, for Jones or, or Grealish playing off the left-hand side. It's it's kind of that ability to to kind of almost do that, that Wijnaldum thing of, of just kind of sustain that pressure, make sure that, you know, the, the, the team is penned in. I think that's that's so crucial to to what Liverpool are trying to do. It's, you know, the, the chaos that we've had earlier in this season where, you know, you think of, of so many matches where it's been end-to-end. That's the exact opposite of, of what they're trying to be now. You know, early on under Jurgen Klopp, it was a bit more end-to-end and, and counter-attacking and, and speed. Whereas now, it's a case of you, in an ideal world, want to just kind of get wave after wave of attacks. And if you've got a player like that, I think that is is tactically something that is is really interesting to see where both teams are, are going. But yeah, really interesting point. I think I, I can definitely see the the Jack Grealish comparison. I think that's that's a really interesting one. Yeah, sorry, it's almost it's almost different um, brands of player on and off the ball, and it shows the level of responsibility that is you know being placed on them. And I think now we've got to almost come to the the all important question with Jones, which is where he figures going forward, what his kind of sort of short, medium and long-term Liverpool future is looking like. He signed a new contract only last November, a decision that seemed a little bit strange given how his season was going. Um, But now, obviously, it looks as if he does have a much bigger role to play. So how how does he factor into Liverpool's rebuild, Matt? Because, you know, he, he has impressed recently you know, he, he's got that role within the team. Now he's made it his. And is there a chance that, as they've done in the past with players like Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain, when they've not wanted to kind of um, invest fully in the midfield? You know, we've seen Liverpool take gambles on players before. Is is there a possibility that FSG and Liverpool look at Jones and his performances and say, you know what, we might be able to get away with signing two midfielders rather than three? And I'm not saying that's necessarily the correct approach at all. I'd much rather see Liverpool sign three. But I'm just wondering if that is a, a possibility now, 
based on how he's been playing recently. Yeah, I don't think that would have changed in the last few games, to be honest. I think that the plan all of the time would have been probably to keep Curtis Jones unless unless, you know, there was no minutes and there was no way for him to go forwards in terms of, of getting into the team and maybe by this summer if, if he hadn't have had this spell, maybe he'd have been thinking about it. Even then he's he's young enough and he's had injuries over the last couple of years which can explain the, the lack of, of action as well. So I think even then it, it would have been a case of they'd much rather keep him obviously for his quality, for the the fact that he's homegrown, the fact that he's still so young. Um, I think in an ideal world, it, it would have always been the plan to have him as at least a squad option. And that that's kind of the, the question, really. That's that's what the question has been all the time. I don't think there's been any doubt that when he's fit, he's more than capable of, of being a part of, of the Liverpool midfield. Maybe he's a player that you can you know throw in every now and again and, and just sort of plug a few gaps with. But I think that the run and the, the the vein of form that he's in at the moment is is kind of suggesting that maybe he could have a higher ceiling than what most people would have seen up to now, and possibly that could shape things in in terms of you know going into next season. What does Liverpool's team look like? But you know, I don't think it will change in terms of of the transfer planning. I don't think it will change in terms of kind of what what his plan was for for himself. I think he's you know like you said before, he's he's setting high targets. He's you know, a confident, confident player. And I think, you know, whoever comes in to, to sign, I know Harvey Elliott was speaking about it earlier this week. He, he said kind of, you know, whoever it is that, that Liverpool go and sign in midfield this summer, it can only be a good thing. And that's what you want, really. You want the, the headache of, right, we've got two new midfielders who can play in that position, but you've got Curtis Jones, you've got Harvey Elliott, you've got Jordan Henderson to fit in there. They need to, to be at that level, regardless of, of whether Curtis Jones has, has had this little run of form or not. They need to be in a position where, you know, they've got sort of two players that can play that well on that side, two on the other side, two to play further back. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that this will have changed anything in terms of, of what Liverpool sort of do in the summer. I still think they need at least two, arguably three midfielders. But I think for me, he was always going to be a part of the number, whatever the number is, it's probably what eight midfielders that you need as long as they're kind of more reliable than someone like an Abby Cater, as long as it's, you know, that, that kind of figure, maybe eight, nine players that can, can play. It, it was more a case of where does Curtis Jones fit? Is he number four on that list or, or is he number seven or eight? And I think that's, that's more the question that needed to be answered. And possibly for, for him, he might not have got quite up to, to where he could be at some point in the future, but maybe he's a, a couple of places higher, depending on what Liverpool do in the summer now. And crucially, one thing I haven't mentioned is the homegrown quota, which is a uh, an issue Liverpool have to contend with um, this summer, especially because they've got a little bit of a, an issue with that, which they, they need to be mindful of. And I mentioned earlier how confident Jones was um, certainly when he's speaking in the press and you know that he said I think in April that he didn't really care similar to Elliot I suppose in terms of being relaxed about who Liverpool signed um, and he was still sort of confident and even said that if Liverpool sent him out on loan or or anything like that then he, he would just see that as right I'll prove how good I am on loan and then I'll come back and get into the team you know he does have I suppose that he just seems to have that unshakable confidence um, that you know he will be able to to succeed at Liverpool. And I think we've seen so many times Liverpool kind of fills these messages out in the press to the effect of we don't want to sign another player in this position or we don't think we need to sign another player in this position because um, we have faith in such and such to deliver. 
And I suppose the question with Jones, if that is to be the narrative, if that does come into their thinking, is how almost justifiable is that? But um, one last question on Jones to uh, to finish then, Matt. Um, where do you see his long-term kind of prospect at Liverpool? Is he always going to be someone who is kind of that rotational player? Is there sort of no hope, really? I mean, he is only 22, but he hasn't ever looked really like that maybe absolute top tier of young talent. So do you think we're, we're looking at someone who, if he's to have a long-term Liverpool career, it's going to be, he'll have to accept almost being that kind of, um, you know, second choice, maybe in his position a, li- a little bit down the pecking order. Or do you think there's any prospect that he could sort of be a, a first eleven player w- within a few years? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? I think, you know, a few weeks ago you'd have said possibly he's more of, of a squad player that can come in and, and play the, the role now and again. But I suppose what the last few weeks have, have shown, if anything, is that he's probably one of those players that needs to be playing regularly. He needs four or five games on the bounce to, to be able to show his, his true abilities. And you know, there are players like that. He might have to, to get used to a bit more rotation. Obviously, you know, we've spoken enough about his injuries and, and that sort of stuff. You, you, you can't overwork him and overplay. He's going to have to, to swap out at certain points. I think for me, he's he's definitely got the talent and the ability to to be, you know, around Liverpool for for as long as as he wants to be in terms of, of his career. It, it will partly depend, I think, on kind of what happens this summer if they go out and, and get a couple of players who play in his position. You know, they're, they're not going to go out and spend big money and, and revamp the midfield with players who are worse than the ones that they've got. They're going to have to go out and spend and, and get players who they think can improve the first team. And, and that's how you improve the squad, isn't it? You go out and you get players to, to go into that first 11 and, and the rest kind of sorts itself out. But I think, you know, for, for someone like him, you'd be looking at it and thinking, well, at the very least, he's going to be a squad player for the next few years. The, the ceiling is higher than that. But if you start at that base point, you think of you know, Thiago and, and Jordan Henderson being over 30 and not having the greatest of injury records and all the rest of it. Those are two players that are going to leave. He's already ahead of you know, Naby Keita, Oxlade-Chamberlain. They've been nowhere near it and they're going to leave. James Milner, you know, if, if he does another season, that, that's a possibility, but he's not going to play as much as he has done. You know, he's already 37. He's not going to go on forever. We know all of, of that. So, you know, there's there's already five players there that are in Liverpool's midfield at the moment. Even if they were go, you know, going out and, and buying two or three potential world beaters in the summer, hopefully that they can go out and get in the, the transfer market. There's still going to be more than enough opportunities. And I think for for him, it's just a case of of staying fit. I know it's it's easier said than done, and it's not something that he's had the, the control over with you know all the various ailments and, and injuries that he's picked up. But if he can stay fit and Liverpool are in Europe next season and they maybe get a couple of, of decent draws in the Cups, in the, the, the domestic Cups, then you know there's, there's suddenly a much easier route to those minutes. And you, know, you talk about consistency and you know getting those minutes regularly and, and all of that sort of thing. Like I say, he's not going to play every single game if Liverpool are playing twice a week. He can't play twice a week, 90 minutes every single week. It's it's just not possible. But you know there's, there's so many matches that he's missed over the last couple of seasons that I'm pretty sure he would have played you know, in, you know, maybe earlier rounds of, of Cups, that might not be the minutes that ultimately he wants. And it's not, you know, a Champions League semi-final, but, you know, if you can get those minutes and, and build on it from there, I think that's the, the starting point. I think his ceiling is, is really, really high, but 
ultimately that's that's kind of where he's at now. And I don't want to get sort of too ahead of ourselves in terms of, you know, the, the small sample size that we've seen so far over the last few games has been good. But yeah, let's let's sort of see that over half a season or, or a full season. Maybe if he's done it for, for the whole of next season, maybe then we reassess. But for now, I think it's it's probably still the case that he's a rotation option for the moment. But with that scene, to potentially kick on and, and be something more than that. Yeah, I think you're bang on there, Matt. To be fair, I think you know we can't get ahead of ourselves. It is, like I said at the start, only this run of six games, and we we are reading a lot into it. And in fairness, you know, have been a couple of games in there where Jones probably could have done a little bit more. I think just broadly on the whole, it has been sort of a a good sort of seven, seven and a half out of ten run from him. And really, you know, the end of this season for Liverpool has almost had the feel of the beginning of pre-season like a preview of next year and Jones's emergence, resurgence, whatever you want to call it, has been kind of a positive and maybe something that gives Liverpool cause for a little bit more optimism in that um, much maligned midfield department. But yeah, um, that will about wrap us up for this episode. Um, We'll be back next week uh, to talk about another of Liverpool's midfield options and and continue this series that we've got going on. but yeah, I've been your host, David Comerford. I've been joined by the Liverpool.com editor, Matt Addison, and that's all for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.